Hi everyone, my name is Katie, and welcome to the first episode of The Chicken or the Egg, where we will work together to decipher the deceptive labeling of the eggs that we buy and consume. Now, you might be asking yourself, Kaylee, why eggs? And let me just say, I'm so glad you've asked. I first became interested in eggs when I started eating them every day. When I first got to college, I would wake up early to go to breakfast every morning just to eat those powdered eggs the cafeteria served. I know, it's crazy. But as my renewed love for scrambled eggs developed, I craved even better eggs. Eggs like the ones my grandmother used to make me every Saturday morning when I was little. Eggs like the brown eggs from the farmer's market that she would buy. For the past year, I have eaten two scrambled eggs every morning without fail. Sometimes I eat eggs for lunch, sometimes for dinner, sometimes I eat eggs with tomatoes, eggs with shrimp, or eggs with toast. Like most Americans, I love eggs. Perhaps my love for eggs is a little bit more extreme than the average person who, by the way, eats about 250 eggs per year. My calculations put me more towards 800 eggs per year, which is absolutely unbelievable. But the, it's this awareness that made me more curious about the eggs that I was consuming. Where exactly did they come from? Why did the brown eggs from the farmer's market taste and feel different than the white ones from the grocery store? What made an egg organic or cage-free or free-range? Who decides these? These were questions I began to ask myself, and as I did more research, I found out how important it is to know the answers to these questions, no matter whether you eat two eggs a day or two eggs a week. And these are some of the questions that I hope to answer through this podcast. Now, besides just being tasty and versatile, eggs are a great source of high-quality protein and several essential micronutrients like vitamin B12, vitamin A, choline, and vitamin D, which is especially important right now considering that data strongly suggests adequate amounts of vitamin D can reduce complications and death from COVID-19. Eggs provide nearly 9.5% of vitamin D in the diets of adults and is relatively cost-effective at doing so. So if you gain anything from this podcast, I hope that it's one, you have a better understanding of different labels for eggs, and how this is largely decided by a chicken's living conditions. And two, that you should try to eat more eggs. <laughs> how will we decide which egg is best, though, in terms of flavor, nutrition, price, humanity? Together, we'll look at different labels for eggs and some of the loopholes in the egg industry that allow for such ambiguity in labeling. So I want to begin by setting a scene for you. You're walking through the aisles of the grocery store. You only have a few items on your list, maybe a loaf of bread, cereal, chicken breast, fruit juice, milk, eggs. And as you're picking up some of these items, you stop to look at the packaging. Your loaf of bread says it's a good source of fiber. On the box of cereal you pick, it boasts its benefits for heart health. The chicken was apparently 100% vegetarian fed, and your fruit juice is all natural. Your milk is pasteurized and homogenized, whatever that means, and your eggs host a number of labels. Organic, cage-free, and certified humane, all fixed against a picture of green pastures and blue skies. What does all this even mean? Unfortunately, it is usually on the consumer to decipher all of these phrases and labels. 
usually only to find out that they mean virtually nothing. In the U.S., the FDA and the USDA make all the decisions on how and why your food is labeled the way it is. That's why when something is certified organic, you'll find a sticker on the product that says USDA Organic. The USDA sets four simple guidelines for eggs to be considered organic. The chickens must be cage-free, fed an organic diet without pesticides, they must be antibiotic and hormone-free, and the chickens must have seasonal access to the outdoors. However, it's the last point that becomes particularly contentious. What exactly is meant by outdoors? And what exactly are the stipulations for a cage-free environment? Well, the USDA never really said. And unfortunately, this is the case for many labels in the food industry. Because the USDA never clarified what constituted outdoor access, a number of factory farms or large-scale livestock farming operations with substandard living conditions saw organic certification for their eggs because they had built screened-in porches onto the warehouse that they held over 80,000 chickens in. Naturally, smaller ethical farms pressured the USDA to set a standard for outdoor access, more specifically one in which the chickens had to have contact with pasture, grass, soil. And the USDA listened. In 2016, they made an amendment proposal to the Organic Livestock and Poultry Practices Rule that states chickens had to have contact with actual soil, not just porches. Unfortunately, after Donald Trump took office in 2017, the USDA ultimately ruled that they didn't have the authority under existing law to mandate animal welfare conditions. What about cage-free then? What are the conditions for a hen to be considered cage-free? Well, it's just that. The bird cannot be caged. Cage-free birds are theoretically able to spread their wings, walk around, lay eggs in nest boxes, and perform other natural behaviors. However, this isn't always the case. Again, there are very loose restrictions, so some cage-free chickens may never even see the outdoors in their lifetime. They may exhibit high-stress behaviors like pecking and cannibalism if forced to live in close quarters with many other chickens. So you might be thinking, why do we make cage-free out to be such a progressive thing when chickens are, in theory, still suffering? Well, it's because it is a step in the right direction, if anything. All over the U.S., we are beginning to see states including California, Michigan, Colorado, Massachusetts, and Washington introducing legislature banning battery cages, or the cages that caged hens are often confined in. This comes following lots of consumer pressure on large corporations like McDonald's and Walmart to ban the sale and purchase of caged or conventional eggs. Like many of the states I mentioned, McDonald's, Walmart, and other companies will phase out the use of caged eggs around the year 2025. All of this is to say that we are truly taking a step in the right direction, reducing our reliance on eggs coming from chickens raised in inhumane conditions. Caged hens often have, on average, only 80 square feet of space per hen, with as many as four to nine hens housed in one cage. They're unable to spread their wings or move around, and stress levels are extremely high so the hens can get aggressive with one another. The cages aren't well kept, often leading to increased risk of infection, necessitating the use of antibiotics. However, it is the cheapest egg out there, so some have no other choice but to buy these eggs. 
They are by far considered the poorest quality of living for chickens, often resulting in lower quality eggs, both in terms of taste and nutrition. Yeah, nutrition. Turns out scientific studies have actually shown that free-range chicken eggs tend to be more nutritious than conventional or caged eggs. The average free-range chicken egg shows a quarter to a third less cholesterol and a quarter less saturated fat than caged eggs. Free-range eggs also have two-thirds more vitamin A, three times more vitamin E, seven times more beta-carotene, and twice the amount of omega-3 fatty acids. Other tests have shown that free-range eggs even have nearly six times the amount of vitamin D and significantly more B vitamins than conventional eggs. Remember that study I mentioned earlier about vitamin D and COVID-19? If the science is supported, a free-range egg might just save your life. But given what we know about the price and overall accessibility of conventional eggs, more should really be done to ensure that folks who can't afford more expensive but better quality, higher nutrition, and more humane eggs can actually buy them. So maybe instead of focusing on freeing our chickens from cages, we should focus on freeing them from their enclosures altogether, because that's what a free-range chicken is. Right? Well, not necessarily. The USDA says free-range chickens need to have access to the outdoors. That's it. This goes back to the screen in porches and paved patches of ground. A Google search for free-range chickens brings up images of happy-looking chickens frolicking in sunlit pastures. Unfortunately, eggs labeled as free-range often do not live lives like this. Free-range chickens, in theory, are always cage-free. But cage-free chickens are not always free-range. The Google images more aptly describe a pasture-raised chicken, or chickens that get to spend most of their time outdoors, hunting for insects, worms, seeds. However, even the label pasture-raised lacks regulation. There is still no universal definition for a pasture-raised chicken or egg. So what are we to do with all this information, then? Are all the egg labels just false advertisement? Should we just stop buying eggs altogether? Well, not necessarily. As always, there is still more work to be done. There are as yet no federal regulations seeking to phase out the use of battery cages in egg farming. We can pressure our federal and state governments and large corporations to set standards and take action for animal and livestock welfare. Of course, we can also buy eggs from ethically raised chickens, like pasture-raised chickens. You can usually find pasture-raised eggs from your local farmers, so at your farmer's market or from the farm directly. But increasingly, we are actually seeing pasture-raised eggs in grocery chains and health food stores. However, being able to get them from the farmer directly ensures that you can see the chickens in their living conditions, or at least ask the farmer how they take care of their chickens. But like many other environmental issues, the responsibility should lie in the hands of governments and corporations, not consumers. It is largely up to them, these governments and corporations, to ensure animal and livestock well-being, and also to make healthy, nutritious food options equally available and accessible to everyone. That's all I have for now, so I'll see you next time on The Chicken or the Egg, where I will be interviewing some folks to test their knowledge on egg labels. Bye for now.